Happy Honda days. Honda. There we go. Honda Accord. <laughs> the that's Honda a car. Accord. Yeah, that's well, the a Honda car. Accords were signed in 1940. Okay. Between <laughs> between Mothra and, <laughs> and Subaru and Rodan, yeah. And Batra. No, Batra wasn't around to the 90s. She's a. Shh. Batra will hear you. All right, let's fucking get in it. Let's do it. Take one more little uh, sip of the Pepsi for encouragement. Oh god, it tastes terrible. It is. Pepsi's gross. Yeah, Coke is better. It's like 10% less sweet. It's more burn, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's still, Pepsi's too sweet. All right, we all failed the Pepsi challenge. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And after our last episode on Mario Bava's seminal slasher classic, Bay of Blood, we found ourselves in something of a rare state, a sort of limbo. I'm sure you know the feeling. It's like the lazy couch potatoes version of writer's block. What movie should we watch next? What movie is going to put that fire back in our bellies, that pep in our step? And while we are deep in the throes of a brain-melting heat wave, a seemingly never-ending pandemic, and forever locked in the death grip of rent-seeking landlords, slave-driving bosses, and just general ding-dongs the world over, we realized that maybe just watching a simple movie wouldn't cut it. We needed to expand our minds and go on a voyage of self-discovery. So Charles made a little phone call and brought home some magic mushrooms. And that is why this week we'll be discussing Ishiro Honda's delightful 1963 fungal opus, Matango. Seven young people shipwrecked on a mysterious island. The island was deserted. Not even birds or animals dared to come here. What did they find? Seaweed, fish, and turtle's eggs. Anything we can eat, as well as snakes and lizards. You can eat the roots of a lot of plants here. Never thought of that, did you? They were driven to the edge of starvation. Food was scarce, and they were forbidden to eat the mushrooms that grew on the island. Fear and hunger turned them against each other. I'll kill you. But Tango will help me live. I haven't been hungry since I left the ship. Maybe. Oh, help me. Help me. Please. Can't we eat the mushrooms now? That would really be the end of us. Matongo, the horrible mushrooms. Matongo, the vegetable monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo. Matango, Matango, will you ever love again? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think this week we might uh, crib from our last episode a little bit. And before we get into the film, focus on on the filmmaker Ishiro Honda, who I imagine everyone knows as the Godzilla guy. He's the guy that directed the original Gojira and a lot of the greatest hits in uh, in the Showa series. Not just that, but Mothra and Rodan, like yeah. the, the the side guys too. Yeah, he was he is the kaiju king. He's I mean he's the one you thank for this 
entire genre's existence of kaiju films and even tokusatsu films as well and 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 he directed my beloved Ghidorah the three-headed monster yeah i mean the, the guy is an absolute fucking monster king and and that's why i mean it's funny after we did our last episode we we were scratching our heads like what do we fucking do next you know we wanted to do like something completely different something different something fun and and something like that was kind of uh, comforting in a way and something you kind of go Something we, we we wanted to do another fucking Godzilla movie, so we wanted to do, but we just did a Godzilla flick, and I thought, hey, you know, Ishiro Honda has made so many great Japanese science fiction films. Well, like Bava, he just pumped movies out. He like, did. It was his fucking job. He just clocked in. And he's like, all right, what fucking costumes I'm looking, you know, I'm working with today? Yeah, giant bird thing. Okay, you know, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. But he has this really interesting string of films that are, are really just almost like Twilight Zone episodes or, or just like weird sci-fi stuff that have these like cockatiny plot lines. I kind of consider this one his horror movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it's claustrophobic. Everybody's like shitty. Yeah, M- Matango is is a, a mean-spirited movie from a guy who's is usually known for more lighter and fun fare, save for the the original Godzilla. But even that, like, it's a bit like the original Godzilla still has like people working together and pulling through. Like, despite how yes. dismal it can get, like this movie is just like yeah, Matango's very very mean. It's 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 a mean flick, and to kind of get into the uh, the Matango spirit, the Ishiro Honda spirit, we also watched. Uh, what did we watch, Sammy? <laughs> we watched so many things. We watched Rodan, The Mysterians, The Human Vapor, Atragon, Dogura. I rewatched War of the Gargantuas. I love War of the War Gargantuas. War of the Gargantuas is, is a wonderful It's also film. a horror movie, though. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, yeah. That was, and so is Rodan. Those were the only giant monsters that actually scared me as a kid, the Gargantuas. I've always had a, like, a scary, like I always thought like hairy monsters were scary. And the way that they like run at full speed, yes, and their is, screams is scary. And they like actively kill people. Like they don't just like smash buildings; they pick people up and just chew them up. Monster films, the War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. See the two mighty Gargantuas battle to the death. And on the same program, Rodan and Godzilla join forces to destroy the deadly Monster Zero. The War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. Both in color. Rated G. General audience from United Productions of America. A subsidiary of DEI Industries. Part of me feels like uh, there is like a possibility that an alternate universe Honda exists who directed musicals. Because so many of his films have these musical scenes. Yeah. And my favorite of them all is the one in uh, War of the Gargantuas where there's this white lady it's the most annoying performance ever and one of the gargantuas reaches its hand into the room picks her up and then throws her like spikes her on the ground of the club and she dies you love to see it you really do it's also like in what you get for your bad performance in the 60s they had like the i think they had like they were like co-producing with an American company. I'm trying to remember what the name was because they always had like a Caucasian guy. Like War of the Gargantuas, yeah. Russ Tamblin, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. What's that fucking guy's? Nick Adams. I I assume that this was um, because of the success of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then well, King Kong vs. Godzilla. And is probably King Kong vs. Godzilla, a 100. That was which is so wonderful. And I think it's it's funny the the movies that we kind of focused on 
were Ashiro Honda's output between the original Godzilla and then King Kong vs. Godzilla. Right. Which, that was like, what, 63, 62? Yes. No, not even. I mean, Atragon and Dogura are... Atragon 63, Matango 63, Dogura 64. So it's sort of between... Okay, it's... it's yeah, I mean, like you were saying, that John... Between yeah. three-headed monster. He, he, he pumped them out. And yeah. these weird, like I was saying, Twilight Zone-y sci-fi movies, they feel in a lot of ways similar to almost like American 50s monster movies or 50s sci-fi, like that weird kind of like... Low budget, lots of different genre elements. And also like the the whole beware the bomb thing. Yes, oh, yes. yes. But in, in but with the context of, uh, of, of Japan, it's a very different feeling because they've already experienced the bomb. So there's it, it's it's weird when you're watching like a, a goofy movie that is, uh, you know, about a weird monster thing with a drill on its face, like, you know, marching through a town and like a bunch of aliens that look like Power Rangers. And then all of a sudden you're reminded of the horrors of war for like a minute and just like the decimation of an entire city. It's just, it's like, whoa. And then they move it right along and like, kind of like, you know, but they let you, let you think about it. And it's, it's such a strange feeling. It's also so Honda. I mean, even though he started off like so for anyone who doesn't know the sort of traditional system that you had to go through if you wanted to become a director in the 30s 40s 50s and not quite anymore in the 60s but a little bit is basically you got hired at in sort of a bottom level position for a studio like Toho which is where Honda worked and you had to spend like a decade proving yourself as a cinematographer or an assistant director before they trusted you enough to let you take the reins. And he worked as an assistant director for years on dramas, but his career was broken up by having to serve in the Japanese Imperial Army like three separate times. And he was extremely anti-war. And so yeah, he was raised by a family of monks. And and it's it's wild that this guy and whenever you hear interviews with him or read like any accounts of him, he's like the most gentle and like anti-war sounding guy ever. And then when you read about his his career in in war, I mean, he was he was inscripted. He was drafted basically three times. Three times. Like, what are the they odds? Him up. And he was like in like the front lines for a long, he was like a prisoner of war in Manchuria for a bit. Right. Or something like that. Or I remember reading, like he was in charge of a brothel for a little yeah, bit. Well, the, yeah. For, for comfort, girls. comfort yeah. women, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is a whole depressing subject. But like the fact that he's able to take his sort of politics and put them into wildly popular monster movies and definitely also the movies we're talking about, but it's like everybody knows that Godzilla is sort of anti-war, anti-atomic bomb. It's like right there in your face, but it shows up in so many of his other movies too. And it's wild that he could get away with that. And we were reading earlier that he was supposed to, his his very first, when Toho decided that like he had enough gold stars on his record and he could make his own feature film, 
they wanted him to do a war movie and the script because he co-wrote i think oh, almost yeah. all of his the, the, films the script that he wanted to do was like it was too fucking real it was too gritty and they were like ah it was and it was like super try again, super you know? anti-war yeah which i think that it was it was just that it was so real was what i was reading is that it felt like people don't want to the, the, well, I'd imagine if you make something that felt real, it would immediately just be anti-war. Yeah, well, like yeah. like course, not, and especially having it be in the early fifties, like yeah, years, right? Mere years after the war is over. I wonder if he would have done better in the seventies. Like if he was like uh, like showed up like you know around like same time as like Kenji Fukasaku. I mean, not like no. do better movies. I, but I mean, like so have, I have more, more freedom. Exactly. I. This is one thing that I I was thinking about something very similar to while watching all these Honda flicks was that the one gripe that I sort of had and it's it's not really a gripe so much as it's like a personal bias I have is that he's a very traditional filmmaker, you know, and, and it shows because he I mean, he made documentaries to start. He was interested in special effects work and also like building underwater cameras, one of the first guys to do that shit. But he's very much so like, I'm going to film the subject. It's I'm going to have it in focus. You're going to see it. you know. And then I'm going to keep on moving along. And it's the story and everything else. But the camera's pretty nailed down. It doesn't really move. And for a second, I was thinking, like, it's a little boring. you know, Because I'm used to Japanese cinema where it's like fucking slapping you around. It's like a jazz song. It's flipping you on your head. It's spinning the camera around. And they're just like zooming and zipping and doodle doo And and this was very like kind of quiet and pensive in a way that I, I don't even think that if, if he was around in the 70s, like I don't think that's his style. Like I don't think he would have been flippy zippy man. He was, I mean, a traditional guy. And, yeah, and yeah. It makes sense that him and Akira Kurosawa were such great friends and and throughout their entire lives because which is it's so adorable yeah all those stories are great and it's funny because like part of me is tempted to say you know he shot his films the way he did because of his training which like he was he went to film school but it was like a pilot program so they didn't have it wasn't anything like going to film school now it was the sort of this like film school where you're just winging it and you don't really know what classes to send people to so his real schooling was basically his early years working for toho where they didn't really encourage much creativity until way later into the 60s so it's like part of me wants to say the reason he made films the way he did is because of that strict traditional background but even in the 50s he's working as assistant director on some of kurosawa's films yeah so i think it just like was the way he wanted to make movies yeah kurosawa said that uh all of the 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 b-roll footage that he got that is in stray dogs is the reason why it has that incredible like post-war atmosphere you know i haven't seen stray dog in years yeah it's it's awesome it's it's a great one it's so funny watching the crossover of casts between kurosawa and it's Honda. wild yeah it's, it's yeah. great everybody in fucking seven samurai yeah. is in fucking the godzilla movies it's awesome do you know uh takashi shimura 
Yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, listeners, if you are familiar with these movies at all, you would know Takashi Shimura, even if you don't recognize his name. The guy looks... Kind of like a catfish. He looks like a fish. But, but like a really... He's the type of guy who like, he plays some brutal roles, but... He just looks so nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, for sure. Very he's, like Henry Fonda. Yeah. Yes. He has such a presence that he's like the main guy in Seven Samurai. He's in every fucking Godzilla he, he, movie. He's actually, he worked with Kurosawa more than Mifune. He's I actually in like yeah. a several more movies. I, uh, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. Probably because he didn't have the temperament that Mifune did. <laughs> Do you know where Kurosawa and Mifune uh, reconciled after years? At Honda's funeral, at Honda's funeral, which I know because on an early episode you told us. Oh, yeah, you really? told us oh, on I, uh, <laughs> they, um, Shogun Assassin. Yeah, they were going to make a new movie together. And then uh, Mifune got uh, dementia, I think it was, and so, so they sad. never made their their so final sad. movie. What was their last movie? Redbeard, right? I think so. Is that the one just before Kurosawa made Dodeskadan? I think so. I could be wrong. And I want to say that Honda worked on Redbeard as an assistant director. Or, like, he also, he had him in different behind-the-scenes roles, like, I think producing and doing things like that after Honda retired from directing. But, but like, what an end to your career. Like, you make Terror of Mechagodzilla, and then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to chill and work on my friend Kurosawa's movies. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was, like, officially retired, and Kurosawa's like... Come on, man. Please, buddy. Come, let's let's go hang out. Let's go make fucking... I'll pay you to hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go sit in a field and watch the clouds for two hours and then say, okay, they're perfect, and film the movie Ron, you know? Yo, Kurosawa. Yeah. yeah. They're Hell both yeah. so wonderful. And it, it really, I think, we one of the things we wind up talking a lot about on this show and something that's important to me is this idea of not putting types of cinema into these boxes like oh we can only talk about kurosawa's art house movies over here but something stupid like a kaiju movie is a whole different thing but it's i feel like their relationship and the way that they worked with similar cast and crew members like interchangeably throughout their overlapping careers is evidence that there's just so much more range and nuance and Absolutely. And and that's why uh, to bring it back to or to bring it to Matango, it's it's you don't expect to get this kind of like fucking weird, mean Twilight Zone episode about fucking shipwrecked assholes on an island who like have one rule and that's don't eat the mushrooms. <laughs> don't eat the mushrooms. Which is the worst rule. Yeah, because <laughs> as someone who loves oh, many kinds of mushrooms, I fucking love mushrooms. Yeah, in my omelets, on my pizza. But you've never tried. No, no. Okay, so I love the mushrooms that you can eat without killing you, but also hallucinogenic mushrooms. Yeah, I they it's, kill you a little bit. I thought I thought they open your mind. They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you you suffer many deaths in yeah. in the uh, in the abyss. I mean, when you stare into it, it does the thing right. where you know it stares back into you. But wait, have either of you? I feel like we have had this conversation, maybe not on air, but have either of you seen the show Hannibal? No. Okay. Well, the very first episode of Hannibal has this. So a lot of the 
episodes are about, you know, Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter teaming up to find these different wacko serial killers. And the first episode, the serial killer is obsessed with mushrooms and plants for lack of a better word, mushrooms, spores in the dead bodies of the people he's killed to set up this like fungal neural network. Mycelium network. Yeah. Of like living mushrooms that communicate with each other through these dead bodies. It's, it's like the next, the next step after Matango. That's the thing with mushrooms is they're fucking crazy. They straddle the line between plant and animal in ways that like are weird. They're really fucking weird things, mushrooms. You look at them, they just look like plants. Yeah, I don't know anything about mushrooms, so you're kind of fucking... fucking crazy. Like, mushroom spores are nuts. There's this one mushroom spore that what it does is it... uh, it like a, a, a bug will land on it, say a house fly or, you know, an outside fly because it's, you know, outside uh, it lands on this mushroom and it makes the fly kind of go crazy and fucking do all this weird shit that's like weird. And then fucking it will it, it does this thing called uh, like perching or something where it climbs up as high as it can go. Like, it just does this like it's not in control of its body or its mind. It climbs as high as it can go. And then freezes and can't move and is stuck. And then this thing grows out of its head and shoots out more spores to grow more mushrooms. The A mushroom spore got inside of this fly's head, took over its mind, brought it to a high fucking point so it can do a fucking alien chest burster out of its head and throw out more spores. These bullet ants are showing some worrying symptoms. Spores from a parasitic fungus called cordyceps have infiltrated their bodies and their minds. Its infected brain directs this ant upwards. Then, utterly disorientated, it grips a stem with its mandibles. Those afflicted, that are discovered by the workers, are quickly taken away and dumped far away from the colony. It seems extreme, but this is the reason why. Like something out of science fiction, the fruiting body of the cordyceps erupts from the ant's head. It can take three weeks to grow, and when finished, the deadly spores will burst from its tip. Then, any ant in the vicinity will be in serious risk of death. The fungus is so virulent, it can wipe out whole colonies of ants. And it's not just ants that fall victim to this killer. There are, literally, thousands of different types of cordyceps fungi, and remarkably, each specializes on just one species. All right, so I take that back. I've never eaten a fucking mushroom again. Mushrooms <laughs> are fucking crazy. They're also really good for you. And, but, and, and that's why I think Ishiro Honda had a, a love for science his, his whole life. And that shows in a lot of his films, even when they kind of play fast and loose with the science, which is fun. But that's, that's the best part. It's science fiction. And We're that, having but, a good time. But you know? I, I feel like that's also how 
experimenting with people's conventional understanding of science and technology is such a fundamental part of science fiction, but it's also through things like Star Trek, how it leads to actual scientific advancements is like kids like little baby Honda who are just so fascinated by science growing up and who are also into fantasy and sci-fi are like, oh, I wonder if that could be real and maybe totally. I could build it. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't get kids into like dinosaurs by taking them to a museum. You show them like Jurassic Park or Godzilla, then they're like, oh, yeah, dinosaurs. That's fuck. fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, for me, I never wanted to eat mushrooms growing up until I saw Attack of the Mushroom People. I saw this movie so many years ago under the title Attack of the Mushroom People, because I have a friend named uh, Max Gordon who fucking loves mushrooms. He's a fucking mushroom head. I feel like everyone knows a guy. Yeah. I forgot, like, like, we would go on, like, walks with him, and then, like, I'd see him, like, crouch down, and he had this little book that was in his back pocket. Yeah. And he's, like, either, like, he was, like, writing down what, like, weird plant thing he saw, or he was looking for it in the book. Yeah. 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 A real mushroom head. And this was a, a favorite in rotation, Matango, Attack of the Mushroom People. And it's fucking awesome. What do you guys, what's your takes on this movie before we, we get into uh, I am. It. I like it. I like how it's claustrophobic. I like how it's like mean spirited. I like how it's like got a potent atmosphere. And I love how the color palette is like mold. Like yeah. it's just that ugly, yeah. like grayish green. I wish there was a little more mushroom people. It, it works as like if it was like a, a 50 minute Outer Limits episode, but for like 90 minutes, I think like we needed like more mushroom people in like the back half of the movie. Like I like the slow burn and uh, yeah, I'm pro, I'm pro Matango. Fuck yeah. I love Matango. So I am also new to Matango. We watched it. So I think last year. Maybe last spring, I had a marathon. Oh, uh, Plants Gone Wild. Yes, I had a marathon called Plants Gone Wild, which, like, mushrooms don't really fit into a plant you marathon. Were, you, were, you were breaking but, the rules a little bit with that one. But. but I had been dying to see this movie, and so part of why I wanted to do a plant marathon at all was an opportunity to watch Matango for the first time and to rewatch one of my favorite plant movies, Godzilla versus Bialante, which we will have to do an episode on. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a Kaiju podcast from here on out. <laughs> it could be. There are enough movies. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. But also, I want to argue, and this is sort of going back to our recent couple episodes and happy hour extra episodes, is we keep talking about this idea of the perfect summer movie. And... To me, Matango is like a super demented, yeah. to repeat what you were saying, Twilight Zone version of the perfect summer movie because it's like these people are on this yacht. They're going on this vacation. Some of them kind of don't want to be there because often going on vacation is more fun in the planning process than in the execution. And also fucking boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck would want to go on a boat for vacation? It's like you're just fucking rocking around. Like people that go on cruises like for fun, psychos. Absolute But this monsters. this isn't like a cruise ship. No, type no, no, of no. Boat. This is it's a little, like, it's a little like pleasure eight, yacht. It's like eight to ten people on a yacht. Yeah. Uh the whole like crashed yacht or like abandoned island um 
It's a great subgenre. Yes, it it's, is. it's one it of is. my all-time favorites. And, uh, Fucking zombie, anthropophagus, 100%. just like and so good. Lena Vermeuler swept away, which like becomes a weird sadomasochistic melodrama. It's like oh, it's, I know what you mean. You mean like Six oh Days God. and Seven Nights, right? The Anne Haitian Harrison Ford film. Oh yes, yeah. That, I know what you're talking right, about. Right, right. Every episode, there, <laughs> there comes a moment where I just want to quit. I think that... That movie's very Ozu influenced. So. <laughs> I think it borrows more from Mitsuguchi. Yeah, the fucking stranded on a desert island, you know, it's fucking hot. Yeah, Everyone's like kind of so at sweaty. each other. And like the moment that they fucking crash, they're already like, what are we going to do about food? Like, they're already hungry the moment they land on this island where birds won't even fucking fly. Like, it's like a fucking, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird place. But there is an abundance of mushrooms here. We got fucking big boys. We got little tiny ones with the little stems. We got the ones with little polka dots on top. It honestly, some of the shots or some of the, the sets they have with all these mushrooms, it almost looks like in uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory when he fucking opens up the doors except it's fucking nasty it's like the gray version of that where it's all this like the, you know it's like a weird fucking mushroom paradise but fucking I wish our living room could look like that like sofas and chairs that yeah, honestly, just like soft comfy mushrooms all you, just don't sweep up for a little while you know all you gotta <laughs> do is just fucking let it go to the wayside and you got yourself a little mushroom paradise I had a mushroom growing in my house one time. Well, do you think that Matango is the is the 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 island is where the Mario games take place? Oh my yeah. god! Holy shit! I didn't even think yeah, about that just this. crossed my mind. Whoa. Okay. Well, fan wow. fiction. Writing it tonight. There you the, go. The Mario Matango. You, I mean, as crossover? for a guy who has never eaten <laughs> magic mushrooms, how do you, how do you come up? With I this don't shit? know. Well, <laughs> Maybe your brain is producing its own psilocybin and you just don't know it. Right. It's, well, I mean, the, uh, like the fucking toad. That's like the next evolution of the mushrooms. Like the, you eventually wow. become that. I wonder if whoever created the Mario games must have seen Matango and was like, oh, yeah, shit, I better it. write this into this, the game. Yeah, this need, all this needs is a, a heroic plumber. And it will write itself. Honestly, one of those guys on that ship kind of has some some Mario vibes. Surly's got a little mustache. Well, like John was saying earlier, there is it does kind of drag its feet for a while because it's 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 these characters who are just kind of they're starving. The movie is getting you to the point where they are desperate enough to eat a mushroom. They they find this derelict ship. And it's they were like, so creepy. it's nasty. It's like a fucking weird ghost ship that's crashed onto the island. And they, they go to explore it. And that is where they open up this giant, this crate. And there's a mushroom on board the ship. And they realize there's no bodies of the people. And if you know anything about mushrooms, they fucking eat everything. They eat everything. They, they decompose things so fast. I mean, they are like composting machines. Wait, I know? thought, no, I just thought they turned into the mushrooms. Well, yes. Oh, yes. oh, okay. But like in the real world, if you decompose. Right. There's like some uh, uh, green liberal uh, death thing in, uh, 
like the Pacific Northwest where you can... Uh, like an eco-death movement. Yes, where you... You can be turned into compost. Exactly. You like you buy this mushroom box that they put you in when you yeah, die. Yeah, no, no. So I, I, become... I looked at the whole natural bear. I feel like that's... that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. pro I, that. I, I, yeah. I, I was knocking a little bit for it being like a lib thing, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it's, it's better than like fucking pumping yourself full of chemicals and throwing you in the ground yeah, in a shitty you know box. What? It's that like, dude, nothing... that shits me while I'm alive. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, don't give me that formaldehyde when I'm dead. Right. You know? I mean, really what you should do, and this is what I plan on doing, is donate your body to science. I don't want those fucking freaks digging at me. I remember reading an article not too long ago where like this guy donated his mom's body to science and then found out that the military used her for explosive training. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you can specify that it goes to a specific research I think center? that's like what he did too it oh just my God. yeah Amazing. yeah he was very mad when he found out <laughs> but, oh, but, oh go ahead go ahead no I was just gonna say the scene that Charles just talked about this has this like great thing where it goes through a bunch of different genres and kind of takes its time getting there like it starts off as a natural disaster movie and they're stranded and they're sweaty and they're bickering and when they get to the abandoned ship, it like it becomes a scene that everyone's seen in so many different horror and sci-fi movies where usually it happens in space. Like it's an alien, it's in fucking event horizon. It's it's, it's like yeah. where the people go and find the abandoned space station or the abandoned ship and it's this like is, the same in every it, movie it's a but classic science fiction trope it comes up in tons of books most famously uh, arthur c Clarke's rendezvous with rama which is a book about uh there's this huge ship they see out like not too far from earth between like the moon and earth and like yo Let's go fly out to the ship. It's not giving us any signals or anything. And they're going to go explore it. And the whole book is them exploring this giant ship, uh, which is like this huge, uh, uh, like Eden. There's like birds and there's like a whole. It's like biodome. It's like biodome in space. And they're checking out this weird alien shit. Is Polly Shore goes, there? I was just thinking <laughs> that. Come on, buddy. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro. And we figure we's a little juice. No, we think that juice. Wheezing the juice. No, 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 wheezing the juice. No, wheezing the juice. It's but this but this trope is is really interesting and it comes up all the time and it's a way for you to explore something with the characters that is out of this world, that is fucking weird, and and you are now now you're in it. What was the sick sci-fi book we read where, like, on Venus or on one of the moons? Gateway. Of, yes. Gateway. It's all, Frederick like, we f- yeah, we found all these, like, like spaceships, but we only know how to activate the autopilot. So people just go on and see what they'll discover. They just turn the autopilot. It's like, wherever the spaceship takes me, that's yeah. where I'm going. Yeah, it's like they're signing up for these, like, possible kamikaze missions. Yeah, and, like, it's like Russian roulette, each one. Yeah, yeah it was and, a great book. And only one, yeah, it's, Gateway's really, really, really cool. The more I think about this trope, I love it so much. It it also it's like kind of a haunted house vibe a little oh, bit absolutely. like yes. you were saying. Yeah, for sure. But Especially in Planet of the Vampires with those oh like God, giant yes. skeleton aliens. Yeah. It's also something that happens and I don't want to say too much about this because I know we plan to cover it at some point. It's also the same shit that happens in 
Ark in Space, the Doctor Who episode yeah. where mm-hmm. they they get to this ship and they're like, where is everyone? Yeah. What's it's dusty. This episode was really close to being a Doctor Who episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. We'll do it soon. And then, well, okay, uh, to bring to bring it all back. Well, you guys, um, this movie always remind me of another great Japanese sci-fi horror monster movie. You guys ever seen Goki, Body Snatcher from Hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. And this, it's also similar where it's like, instead of a, a, a yacht, it's a plane. But, like, all the people there are from, like, wildly different, like, professions and back. Yes. Like, one guy's a psychologist. One guy was, like, a, an arms dealer. Yeah, it's like an, like an RPG character sheets or something. Everyone's got one. Yes, you know, you're yes. the doctor, you're this. This is a little bit like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all... there's the writer. Well, it's, well it's, it's Gilligan's Island, you yes. know? It's at the professor, too. Everyone's and, fucking and the, there. And right, the this... random guy who always wears sunglasses. What even year is sleeping? Gilligan's Island? It, <laughs> Hang on. It starts in 64, I think. Yeah, this might be pre-Gilligan's Island. And they all... I know that I'm the annoying person who always has to call out like the set design and the costumes because I fixate on it, but they all have these gold ship wheel necklaces that they wear that are amazing. So thank you to the set designer. <laughs> And where can I get one? Well, that'll be the costume department, I think. Yes, right? it yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. The set designer is the one doing those fucking wacko mushrooms. Oh, yeah. I also would like you to bring some of those to my house, please. Which we have to bring. I'm going to butcher his name because I can't say anybody's like name whose last name isn't like Lee. You struggle Smith with or... English. Yeah, yeah so exactly. this is fine. Lee's but... one syllable, though, so... Iji Sur- Surabaya. Subaraya? Subaraya, thank you who did the special effects in all of these movies. Just oh. absolute fucking... Yes. Amazing. So that's what brings me back to him every single time. Like, it, you know, that's why, like, when someone kind of complains about, like, the lulls in some of these movies where it's characters just sitting around sweating and talking, it's like, listen, like, yeah, that stuff, you know, it might not be great every movie, but we're not fucking here for that. We're here to see this fucking miniature boat in... Uh, a pool that's looking like the ocean and moving around and fucking and just like the matte paintings and then these it's it's like that i don't mind just settling in with a fucking movie like i watch new movies and everything's just go 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 like i don't care like chill out with these people let's fucking learn yeah. about them yeah. Just, wanna, you know? yeah exactly exactly give us a minute to learn about how terrible they are yeah. <laughs> yeah. which they pretty much all kind of are but in a very different way so i know on our last episode we talk about how in bay of blood there's no real protagonist in matango there's no real protagonist either it's so it gets very confusing because it's like they i think are intentionally all kind of told to sort of be in the background which makes it work so well when they all start to go hunger mad and turn on each other because you're not really rooting for any one person in this, particular. This movie is really just, you're watching these people... Descend. Yes, they're fucking starving. The writer, that guy, especially when he's like holding everybody hostage with the gun, he looks fucked up. Like he, yeah. like he has this, this like totally out of it glare. Yeah, because he's the first one to take a bite out of yeah, the mushroom. Yeah, He's the first that one. That would be me, the you know. writer. Oh my gosh. Taking a bite out of the Absolutely. mushroom. Absolutely. <laughs> I could be coming in with some fresh turtle eggs and Sam's like, I'm, I'm full. <laughs> you guys are idiots. Anyway. I'm Like two days in, I'm eating you. <laughs> <laughs> 
while you would be eating a mushroom-rich <laughs> diet. <laughs> but yeah, so when this guy eats a fucking mushroom, yeah, like John was saying, he gets this crazy fucking look in his eye, and he's and he's just basically saying, "I am no longer human." So your, you know, rules don't apply to me. And he's just like pulling the gun to them, and you're not really sure what he's trying to do. And it seems to me like he just wants them to eat some mushrooms too. That's kind of what I assume. He never comes out and says like, "Eat this mushroom," but like to me, it's like he's he wants them to. So fucking, I've um, seen this movie. I think this would be like the third time watching it. I always always liked it, but it's not like something I return to often. But I finally like did some digging because we're doing a fucking episode, and like something that like once I read it, the whole movie made absolute sense to me. Is that this movie? Uh, according to Honda, is about how the West uh, is taking over Japan, and it's how it's just like like everything's like capitalism and and uh, money, 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 and all these yeah. fads and like nightclubs and shit like that, and like how it's just like slowly growing and infecting everything and every and like kind of like giving us a hive mind. That makes perfect sense because the movie seems to hate the characters who are the most modern like the singer mommy who wants to she's basically there trying to seduce the writer just so she can get a free trip to europe and get out of japan and anyone who's more traditional the script seems to be more sympathetic towards like you're right the guy who frames the movie is the professor who's Akira Kubo, who's in Invasion of Astro Monster, Destroy All Monsters, Gamera, and Throne of Blood. Oh, he's in Gamera. He, so he went to the other team for a yeah, little bit. He did. Well, but back to your point about how this movie is a statement of, of Western culture's encroachment into Japan, which was obviously not really... Uh, what they wanted they didn't really have much of a say in in that matter after the war ended and they really took on baseball pretty well though they yeah they love baseball <laughs> and, and how we we're saying earlier that ashur honda was a, is a very traditional guy we, that word keeps coming up a lot of times when in 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 japan when you're saying traditional it's kind of like code for nationalist nationalist conservative right wing because japan obviously they have this multi-thousand year history where there's shogunates and you know a very different system and they started to modernize very fast in the early 1900s they had something akin to a roaring 20s <laughs> like sam was telling me earlier today where there was this moment of um freedom uh, of, of more possibilities things were modernizing in a lot of ways and a lot of people were trying to hold on to the past in in weird ways and then in the 30s there was this huge rightward shift where japan was trying to find its identity and they became you know ultra nationalist conservatives were kind of taken over and like the they fucking, decided china belonged to them yeah they were like <laughs> okay manchuria you're looking a lot like japan churia right now isn't wasn't korea for a long time like the japanese territory they tried to take over everything that they could reach for a minute there and that was i mean kind of because of the entire system that they had for thousands of years was now gone they needed something different and this like there was this moment this like liberal almost like weimar germany where there was this possibility that opened up 
and then got fucking closed really fast. As yeah, soon women as... found out about pants for a minute, and then it was like, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta nip <laughs> this kidding. in the bud, and and that's why Ishira Honda's films are are so unique because he is someone who seems to have traditional values, but in a way that isn't, or rather, doesn't feel. Uh, like, it's not right wing at all. It's not right wing because because he's also he's responding to the fact that now Japanese culture is modernizing, but not in its own identifiable way, in an American way, in a Western way, in an occupied way. And then just like shitting on materialism, like you can be on like any side of the fence and be you know be like you know what, uh, there's more to life than this. Yes, for sure. And it's funny because this topic that you're talking about this idea of making films about this horror of american occupation and forced modernization was the primary concern of the japanese new wave filmmakers to come just a couple years after this in the late 50s and into the 60s people like oshima so many of his movies are about the same type of characters that all start off on the boat together where it sort of seems like both directors are suggesting that like younger people don't have any real sense of identity or loyalty or drive or community because they're attracted by this kind of glittering allure of modernism, but it's just empty and facile and will get you nowhere right to mushroom Island. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's but on the inverse side of that is, you know, imperial Japanese like fascism almost, you know, that that's and it seems as if it's that a lot of these directors are trying to strike the balance and to try to find the new Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And and to see this all coming right after the war and and it just bleeding into the DNA of the films it's it makes them harrowing even when they're goofy and fun <laughs> well something i don't think we talked about yet uh, you mentioned uh ag subaraya's effects which are gorgeous and he worked with honda so much throughout his career and goke body body snatcher from hell is from shochiko studio who i'm sure most of you know criterion put out this set of a bunch of their horror movies the X from Outer Space. Yes, he worked with them a bunch as well. But the effects here are so amazing, but they almost got the film banned and it was kind of repressed. Wait, unlike Tango? Yeah. Because really? some of the makeup, it looks like the same kind oh, of disfigurement from and radiation poisoning. as radiation poisoning. And so people yes. were horrified, like, here you go again, Honda, trying to make a movie that is supposed to be a fun genre film, but has these horrifying real war elements. This movie, we, we keep kind of leading up to it. We're not talking, we haven't gone into the real fucking movie. The real movie is like the last 20 minutes when... I we, don't know. I think the whole thing is yes, the real it movie. Is. But you know what I'm fucking talking about. The last 20 minutes of this movie... Are the best. It's amazing. It's the fucking... It's like... That's what we're here for, you know? When you go into a Godzilla movie, you love seeing the crazy alien shit. You love seeing weird guys pulling their faces off and they got weird robot shit underneath of it. That's that's great stuff, but that's not why you're there, 
You know what I'm saying? You're there for the Subaraya effect mushroom people. You want to see a fucking building get leveled by a dude dressed like a fucking dinosaur. Although, spoilers, there are no kaiju mushrooms in in this film. This this is a (laughs) science fiction. However, uh, when I was a kid, I spent many hours playing the Godzilla Nintendo Uh. game where... Big Matangos are a villain. Get the fuck Whoa. out of here. Yeah, yeah. I, really? uh, you can play I had Matango? A, I, I had a flashback while watching this last night. I was like, oh, yeah. Are you sure you haven't done mushrooms? No, I haven't. <laughs> Never done mushrooms in my life. I just remember, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that Godzilla Nintendo game. It was horrible. Like, you could either be Godzilla or Mothra. It was super hard for, you know, a five-year-old. But I was like, you know, they had, like, weird monsters because they had, like, Mogura and the, and the, um... The squid? Yeah, the squid guy. Like all like um, like monsters from other non-Godzilla movies. And then I was like, holy shit, I remember like fighting like mushroom people. And I looked it up and like, yeah, the Matangos show up. The the bridge here from giant kaiju matangos to the actual matangos is Haruo Nakajima, who is famous for playing well, maybe famous if you're a nerd. Or if you're, ju- <laughs> <laughs> or if you're Japanese, no, if you're fucking nerds. is is famous for playing Godzilla in the suit in a bunch of movies. Shows up here in makeup as a Matango. Yeah. So when these fucking when the mushroom people attack, we're down to our like last couple people on the island. Everyone else has drifted off, either been shot, and turned on each other, turned on each other, or they decided to fucking cross over into the abyss. And take a bite out of a mushroom. They cross over the mushroom bridge. <laughs> they did. They did. You know, they, they took the rainbow road straight to fucking psycho town. And now, and, and, and this, this ending, it's just like. Perfect. It's perfect. The fucking score comes up. All the laughter. And yes. Like the evil laughter. It's scary. It's weird. And like these fucking mushroom people come out and their faces like they look like they're like their faces got these bubbles on them and they look like they're like were hit by an atomic blast. But they're kind of all different. It's like there are different types of matangos. Yeah, like at different stages of decomposition and they got these big mushroom heads and they're it's like if, if Hieronymus Bosch did like the mushroom section of Candyland. Yeah. Oh my God. It, no. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Like things like there's weird like Euclidean that geometry that doesn't fucking add up. The perfect description. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. And the speaking of Candyland, apparently the mushrooms that they're actually chowing down on are made from rice pastry. Oh. So it's like in the movie when. The characters who have also gone out of their minds are eating mushrooms. It seems like the mushrooms are really delicious. Yeah, they Apparently, look they look fucking good. They're eating some sweet treats. Yeah, every time they take a bite out of a mushroom in this movie, it's like the scene. Sorry, I keep bringing this up in Willy Wonka when he is drinking out of the like lemon thing, and then he just and bites he the, cup the cup. In the end, <laughs> then I'm like, oh my god, I want to eat that cup so bad. Every mushroom, I want to eat it. And it's. It's just such a great work of... So earlier when you, at the very beginning of the episode, when you talked about how it's like a Twilight Zone, or has sort of a Twilight Zone quality, I didn't really think about that before, but it totally does because it's basically like all... So every Twilight Zone episode, for the most part, it's like someone does something wrong and then they're being punished. And 
in this, it's like they're being punished for being rich, hedonistic, wanting to leave Japan and live in this sort of postmodern, fake, empty world. And they're being punished by being trapped on Mushroom Island and going crazy and turning into mushrooms. But the ending is if so. It's psycho. If you it's watch it on psycho. on hallucinogens, which we did on your plant which we marathon, did, it's really scary. You know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, don't. everything's a little scarier. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not touching that shit. Oh. John, I think you should. I, 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 I honestly, I man, in, it, in the right environment, you just start with a little. Yeah, yeah. I just, I know. No, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna understand I'll yourself your and the world I, better. I'm just, you're gonna come out of it a better, a better man. I mean, no. Like my brain normally is like I'm like happy, and then all of a sudden I'm like very angry at something my friend did to me seven years ago. Like I can't, yeah. you know. I just mushrooms like it's already a minefield. But yeah, I think yeah, mushrooms do kind of like they rewire your brain a little bit. But like in in oh yeah, I mean I'm not like anti-mushroom. Like I understand positive. the the benefits. I, I know I they're think, good for people, but like I yeah, I can't say enough good things about them. But one thing we didn't talk about is that this is based on a William Hope Hodgson story, which is sort of the last thing I expected. Wait, uh, is that like uh He's basically like British Lovecraft. Whoa. Uh, this, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He, so he's somebody I, you know, can't talk about him much because I have been dying to read this novel he wrote called House on the Borderland that I keep hearing is incredible. It's from 1908. Apparently it's super scary. Uh, Hodgson similarly was interested in cosmic horror, but I think he was writing either at exactly the same time as Lovecraft or maybe like a tiny bit earlier. Um, so it's not like a Lovecraft ripoff. It's just its own yeah. different weird thing. But This definitely feels kind of like cosmic horror well and that's also because they're mushrooms and yeah mushrooms it's like have the universe alien... is unpredictable and weird yeah alien. yeah no it does feel not that far from color out of space just yeah. like not a meteorite well and apparently that so the story is called the voice in the night and that stephen king story where in the movie stephen king drinks a weird beer and turns into a swamp person oh uh, yeah. it's a creep show uh lonesome death jordy verrill no yeah. no no the the uh, wait, are you talking about the night shift story where the guy drinks the the beer? That's gray man. Yeah, yeah. Where he turns into the weird swamp person. No, sh Sam's talking about Lonesome Death of George. Oh, Carroll, for sure. Okay, yeah. Stephen King turns into to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's another. There's a yeah, short story. He doesn't story drink of his. beer. He touches a meteorite. He drinks beer and turns into a gray monster in a different like story. a fungus monster. Okay. Well, that one. I'm confusing the two things in my okay. brain. Uh, as, because as you know, I am not a Stephen King aficionado, but from what I understand, that gray matter story was influenced by the voice of in the night as well. And so it's like kind of an I adaptation. I believe that. Yeah. I have your night shift cassettes. And oh, I've listened cool. to that one like not it's too awesome. long ago. It's like that. It's I so forgot good. all about that gray story. Like, I love really that. Good. Yeah. I can't believe I conflated those two things but they're kind of no, similar yeah. well i think too. actually that gray matter i haven't seen it but gray matter was adapted to the creep show tv show that was the only episode of it that i saw i okay. never watched it. i've seen that too so maybe that's why in yeah. my yeah. head they yes both yes. became the same thing creep show i can't imagine being better than the george robero horror classic no movie. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no oh you've done it now jordy verrill 
Cosmic horror. Uh, one of the movies that we watched when we were doing our little little medium deep dive into uh, Ishiro Honda was Dogora, one that I've wanted to see for fucking ever. Like I I had Dogora like on my list for years. It's about this like cosmic squid or cosmic jellyfish that uh it's you know fucking terrifying looking it, it looks nuts like it's not uh it's not a suit or it's like you know it's not a practical special effect it is looks like footage of jellyfish that they superimposed into the sky and it's it's gorgeous and it's fucking weird and the plot line is crazy it's got like these like weird like it's like attracted to bees or wasps, and it's like sucking up no, it's all of the. Afraid of bees or wasps. Oh, it's afraid of bees and wasps. Who, who amongst Naturally, us? Naturally, all yeah. of amongst all us. Jellyfish are afraid <laughs> yeah. of bees. Come on. <laughs> but but the, the the plot is really funny. Where it, it is, it's like sucking up the the carbon based elements in on the earth. It's sucking up all of this coal, and it's also sucking up diamonds, what? and it runs afoul of a. Uh, a bunch of fucking diamond thieves, jewel thieves. And it's like this like weird movie where I'm like, this is going to be great. And it turned out to not be great, but just fine. Like it's, you know, it's, if you like these movies, you fucking like these movies. Right. But the Dogura scenes are so cool. Truly like as, as close to actual cosmic horror, like fucking Cthulhu looking shit in one of these movies, just like seeing a fucking giant, jellyfish in the sky with all of this stuff spinning around like it's weird like they do weird weird stuff with it another one that would be very kind of strange to watch on hallucinogens just because of how how like boring the movie is and then all of a sudden there are scenes of dogra and he's terrifying yeah yeah. But we watched some good ones. You said you watched The Mysterians. Yes. I like that one. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so funny how uh, Dogra and Atragon were the two I was like, were on my list for so long. Like, part of the reason why I wanted to do this fucking episode was so I can, like, actually go into these Ashiro Honda movies that I've been putting off for so long. And those were the two I really wanted to see. The Mysterians wasn't really even on my list. You know, I, I just insisted. It, it was on fucking Tubi is what it was. It was just, it was, oh, it was yeah, right there. Yeah. We Tubi like, is, is and a we paradise. Like, Let's go. So we put on the Mysterians, uh, I think it was after Dogra or after Atragon or something. Yeah, yeah. And holy shit, it was so fucking good. I went in not expecting much and I just got this glorious kaiju psycho flick that went all over the place but also like every one of this guy's movies has a moment where like you see a bunch of tanks melting and the way that they melt is just like oh it's so cool yeah but it looks like you know your toys when you were eight i was gonna (laughs) say it looks like when an atomic bomb blows up a fucking like and just melts like something's face off like in fucking raiders of lost ark or something you and never put a toy on the stove when you were a kid? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, well, not exactly. I put shit in the microwave. I was a microwaving ah. kid. I defended my toys with zeal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing was happening. Nothing was that. happening. There. <laughs> For me, it was so my toys that I liked, like any of my toys that could have fit into a Godzilla or a Honda movie, I would have defended like my Transformers. But if someone gave me like a Barbie because I yeah. didn't like girl toys sam you famously hate women we know this oh my god stop i just didn't want to play with fucking barbies so i would set them on fire (laughs) i did different stuff to barbies when i was a kid yeah they were they were my teenage mutant ninja turtle toys pleasure slaves yeah they were the comfort 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 women women. (laughs) they were were on the (laughs) ghostbusters firehouse that house Wow, it's all coming out in this episode. I feel like I had a couple more things I wanted to say about Atomic War, but, you know, we're really at the end of the hour here. (laughs) When when one finally happens, we'll we'll have plenty to say, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But wait, so, okay, so... Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask, what else do you guys have uh, on your dockets here? Well, so if that's your favorite watch from this week, I want to ask... So I think I know what mine is, but I want to ask John, what is your favorite Honda movie that's not a Godzilla film? It's probably Matango, which I I know we're already talking about it. So it feels like a cop out answer, but like it's everything I fucking want. It's just like creepy atmosphere, fucking shitty characters being mean to each other. You love shitty characters. I do. I Every do. time I'm watching a movie and there's a nice guy in it, you're like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> it's so, that's so bull- boring and like <laughs> fucking untrue too, you know? Interesting characters over likable characters, better movie in my book. And fucking, yeah, it's just got a fucking monster scene. The scene when the guy, and it's only the nerd guy and his girlfriend left and the, and the fucking Matango people just like trying to break into the ship if that was like 30 minutes of the movie yeah if the if the last 30 minutes of the movie was like the 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 last of texas chainsaw massacre but instead of like cannibal hillbillies you had mushroom people yeah it it, it would be fucking for sure if yeah if the last chunk of the movie was there was more oh yeah 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 this would this would be if if this movie was just yeah shrunk down to like a 50 minute outer limits episode so perfection this is what's wonderful about a lot of these movies i don't know if matango uh had this happen but when they were released for i guess you wouldn't call it home video but for home viewing they would release an eight millimeter version of the film and I know Atragon got an eight millimeter wide like commercial release for for home theaters that is about seventeen minutes long. And when I was watching Atragon, and I like I knew in the back of my mind because I saw a, a file for this eight millimeter version, and I was thinking, "Fuck, I bet this would be awesome." in 17 minutes because you know it's a movie that's got a simple plot you know there's a fucking weird submarine that can fly you got fucking you know a a dragon underwater (laughs) doing shit some like atlantis shit's going on doesn't like an uh, like an island under the sea is holding the earth hostage and this fucking world war ii general who like doesn't know the war is over? Who had his like special submarine is like circle? Honestly, if it was seventeen minutes, it would be fire. Wait, you know? wait a minute. Wasn't there on our Santo episode? 
Isn't there a Santo movie that's also about? It's not a Japanese. Yes, yes. No, um, it's, it's, it's it's there's like a Nazi yes. who goes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, Santa and the Blue Daemon in Atlantis. Yes, yes. and he yes. tries. It's like kind of a similar. There, there's a, isn't there a Double spaghetti feature? western about a, a Confederate general? That's trying to steal gold to like rebuild the Confederate army and like oh, win um, the Civil War. The scavengers. Again. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. such yeah. that's such like a fucking great totally. trope. It's just like somebody's like refuses to admit the war is over, and he's like, listen, we're gonna fucking get the ranks fucking replenished, yeah. and we're the, gonna try again. The band back together. <laughs> it is also so Japanese. Though. Can I can I answer your question that you threw at John? Yes. So my favorite Ashiro Honda movie that is not a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Mm, this might be kind of cheating. It has to be a movie he directed. He, he directed it. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, he directed it. This is mildly cheating. It can't have Godzilla in it. Godzilla is absolutely not in this film. Oh okay. Or okay. giant monsters. Well, no. it can't. Oh. Can that wasn't have it. Giant monsters, oh. but not. It was just non Godzilla, so you can't oh. take your answer back. You're oh. fucked forever, John. Yeah. It's oh. on the record. Wait, John's what? favorite. You no, can, no, no, you no. You have an alternate after Mm-mm. Charles Mm-mm. goes. Mm-mm. I'm cutting it out. <laughs> 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 All right. My favorite Ashura Honda movie outside of Godzilla King Kong Escapes. Oh, oh wow. It's yes. so good. Fucking King Kong versus Mecha Kong. Amazing. Yeah. Great it's movie. wonderful. I watched it, I think. Uh, a couple months ago, maybe? No, no. What was... We did it in a marathon. Oh, I know. We had... <laughs> this was such a fucking stupid marathon. We did a, a marathon that was... um, The theme was Christmas Kaiju because it was Christmas time. Oh, yeah. And we wanted to watch giant monster movies, but we also knew we had to watch Christmas movies because it was fucking Christmas time, you know? So ones that had, like, snow in it? No, 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 no. no. We, we, alternated we alternated a Christmas oh, movie, Kaiju movie. Yeah, Christmas of course. Movie, Kaiju movie, Christmas movie, But, I mean, movie. these, like, 60s monster movies, like, all the colors pop. Like, they yeah. look like Christmas oh, to yeah. me. Yeah, lots of reds, lots of greens. And that was also around the time we realized that Godzilla Raids Again, which Honda did not direct, takes place at wintertime like, in yeah. a snowstorm. I there was like, go. this is a fucking Christmas movie. <laughs> this like, a Godzilla Christmas movie. Grasping for straws a little bit there, but I'll give it to you. For now, Kong meets his greatest foe, a duplicate King Kong created by an evil genius, built of indestructible super steel, 60 towering feet of invincible robot. King Kong, who can defy the might of modern artillery, tanks, missiles, the vast strength of prehistoric monsters, matches with the Kong of Steel in the battle of the century in King Kong Escapes. All new, all thrilling, more fantastic than ever, King Kong Escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release in Technicolor. So, returning, before I answer this question... Yeah, do you want to update? Oh, it would probably have to be Mothra, which is like the most gorgeous of the fucking giant monster movies. Yeah, that's... It's... Although Rodan has the most, the saddest giant monster movie ending ever. And yeah. also the first half of Rodan, which we watched It's a big Rodan. bug movie. It's a bug yeah, 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 I love and, Rodan. And it's, and it's, it's scary, it's a, kind it's of. It's like yeah. a scary, claustrophobic horror movie for the first half. But yeah. like the, that whole like spoilers for people who haven't seen Rodan, I know the movie came out like 100 years ago. In 1956. <laughs> but like there's two Rodans 
and then like they get trapped in a volcano and one's dying and the other one gets away and then realizes it just doesn't want to live alone anymore so it just swim like goes back to the volcano to die yeah. with its mate like when I was a kid, that was heart-wrenching. I mean, it's still pretty hard. But a lot of the big monster movies, like King Kong, it's so sad at the end. Yeah, all of them. Well, yeah. I, uh, Honda has this great quote that, like, he's like, all the monsters are innocent. It's like, their only crime is they were born too big. <laughs> Gosh, we, lo- we love it. just such a we gentle love it. soul. Uh, wait. All so right, Sam, you're up. I need What's, to answer this. What question. is your favorite Ashiro Honda film? So I think, aside from you know anything involving Ghidra, I think it might be Frankenstein versus Baragon. Is that oh. Frankenstein conquers the world? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. It's like a the pseudo sequel to War of the Gargantuas. It yes. is. Yes. It is. And it, I feel like War of the Gargantuas, Frankenstein versus Baragon, and. Uh, King Kong Escapes you could watch as a really cool triple feature because they all sort of have some overlapping themes yeah but especially with the crazy scientists doing fucking evil shit but yeah. Frankenstein conquers the world it like starts off with a Nazi brain or yeah, something uh, the or Nazi, Nazi heart. heart yes yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that somehow finds its way to Japan right. but uh, yeah like uh, like they find um, like Castle Frankenstein which like, the, like it looks like this dungeon laboratory it's a perfect so we watched it during a Frankenstein marathon yes yeah. last October <laughs> and it's Our marathon we gotta bring them back we haven't done them regularly in a while and i love them but it's it's like weirdly a great halloween kaiju movie yeah yeah it's a frankenstein flick you know it's got like some gothic castle settings and Uh, there's some sort of like lizard monster baragon yeah baragon baragon frankenstein has to fight and he looks so fucking demented frankenstein he he looks like a fucking idiot in that movie oh my god well he's a caveman guys it's frankenstein's monster frankenstein's a scientist All right, all right, all right. Let's be professional here. I think we're fucking done with the episode here. I think we fucking have said enough about Frankenstein's monster. Have you guys ever seen The Manster? Oh my God, yes, but not in a long time. It's like an American movie, but it takes place in Japan. It's a 50s monster movie. And like it's like a werewolf story, but but like the manster, yes. yes but like Jekyll and title. Hyde. That sounds like a fucking assholes and like college <laughs> nickname. Yes. Oh, here comes the manster, <laughs> right? She's and the an fact that it's like a, pong. a 50s like monster movie, so it's completely like unironic about it, makes it that much better. And yeah, and the guy like. Like the the monster like werewolf Jekyll and Hyde thing is like literally growing outside of him. So he has like two heads and then like it bursts out of him. It's great. I remember watching it, it had like a two point like six on Letterbox. I was like, this movie's gonna suck. It's gonna be boring. I remember it being fun. It's great. I loved it. Wow. The monster. Let's fucking go. From the exotic geisha houses of Tokyo to the back alleys of the Ginza Strip comes the terrifying news of a fiendish creature that threatens to destroy all who stand in his way. This is the frightening story of an American reporter in Tokyo who unwittingly became the victim of a shocking scientific experiment that turned him into a horrible mutant. Half man, half monster. The Manster! So there is also sort of a Honda version of the, like, transforming guy horror movie, which we watched that I loved, called The Human Vapor, where it's sort of like his version of the invisible man where 
this guy, this like young guy is kind of convinced to become a test pilot, which you learn all about in this crazy flashback scene. And he goes into this chamber very much like Cronenberg's The Fly. And he comes out sort of demented, which is what makes me think of The Invisible Man. And he's able to transform himself into vapor, except he calls himself the gas man. Yeah, you can Hell tell yeah. the whole Hell time. Yeah. They never say the human vapor. They call him gas man the Hell whole yeah. movie. It's, it's so fucking so cool. Just like when I, so eat, wait, funny. De- when I eat deviled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick. One thing. This movie is fucking, it's like, it's like really ridiculous. It's like it's he's like, bank he's, robbery he's doing movie. bank heists and shit. He's Hell trying yeah. to win the favor of this fucking lady who does kabuki theater or something. She's a dancer. She's a dancer. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like a police procedural with this guy who turns into fucking gas. But the scene where they kind of do the flashback and he says how he became the gas man. <laughs> He says it so many times. The gas man. (laughs) When he tells the story about how he does it, uh, they do a flashback, and and the fucking doctor character comes up to him, and the doctor says, you know, I need you for this experiment. It's really, really important. The work I am doing can change human biology. It can make you withstand the temperature of the sun. And it's like... When you think about that line, like he's basically saying, you can withstand an atomic blast. And they're just, they just fucking yeah. threw that in the middle of this movie. It's like, oh, there's a Shiro Honda wild. talking about the fucking bomb every Again. time. You know, like, come on, man. What's, what's the big deal? <laughs> we fucking, they got like atomic bombs and then got fucking uh, uh, Godzilla in entertainment out of that. Like, what, what did 9-11 get us? Oh my God! What, American us, sniper. It got us the war on terror. Right? No, right. no, no. The, we, the listen, no. Yeah. Some good shit came out of that. Some really good shit came out of Rudy that. Rudy Giuliani. Fucking Rudy G. Rudy Giuliani yeah. getting his back lightly tapped at the grocery store, turning into the greatest assault story of 2022. Oh fucking. Cloverfield? Guys, I'm trying to end the episode. Help me out here. How do we do it? <laughs> we can never end the episode. We're talking about Honda. Do you remember when Cloverfield came oh out God. and then they I'm made gonna fade. Groverfield? <laughs> and they no. just like took the monster out and replaced him with Grover? <laughs> Alright, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. I'll take my headphones off. We're done. Good night. Good night.